Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hello, Welcome to Bluffy Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. In segment number two, we're going to be joined by Will Hill. He does amazing work here at Visa and taking a look at so many different things. You ever go on Visa.com, you're going to find so much of his work, and he's going to be joining us, taking a look at just how he handles this time of year with the All Star break coming up in the next few days. I'll let you in behind the curtain. Not necessarily the world's most complex answer there. Sometimes just need a little bit of a breather or two, but we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be diving into the slate that we've got for Friday as well with him. So going to have a great time with Will in segment number two. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore one. Keep in mind, letters EM, they meet us on matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a good day of baseball on Thursday. Got a little bit of cleanup for Wednesday as well, so let's dive in there, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. In terms of the late slate on Wednesday, we did see the San Francisco Giants shut down the Seattle Mariners. 2-0 was the final in this one as Alex Cobb was just tremendous for the Giants. Six scoreless innings, both Rogers Taylor and Tyler Long, Camilio Duvall, lend a scoreless inning. The Giants win this game despite going 0-8 with runners in scoring position. And Tommy Malone could have been worse. Two runs, one of which earned, give it up in four and a third innings. Bullpen from there did their part. Taylor Saucedo, Justin Topa, combined for a scoreless inning. Ty Adcock, five outs of the bullpen, scoreless. Matthew Festa, scoreless inning, but... The Mariners, they then went 0 of 9 with men in scoring position themselves. So that was a little bit less than savory. Currently, I'm doing this as the Mariners are taking on the Houston Astros in their Thursday game. And this is one that is 4 to 0 going into the bottom of the seventh inning. George Kirby has been tremendous thus far. He's given up one walk thus far. So that's above his season average. Meanwhile, Eugenio Suarez and J.P. Crawford have went deep. 10th home run season for Suarez. Crawford is 8th. Those both came off of Rona Blanco, who gave up three runs over the course of six innings, including those two home runs, and Seth Martinez gave up a run in an inning. So 
We shall see if the Astros are going to be able to come back in that one as we're going to have a little bit of a cleanup on some of the Thursday games as well as the Great Peterson Experience. That's now from midnight to 3 Eastern time, 9 to midnight Pacific time when it comes to VEASAN every Monday through Friday. So we do have to do this a little bit in advance. And when I was on air on Wednesday, we did see the Mets get a pair of home runs off of Andrew Chafin to get the win. 2-1 to one the final, actually. One home run and then an RBI hit from Mark Canna. That was a triple for Alvarez. His 15th home run of the season. Andrew Chafin, he goes two-thirds of an inning, gives up those two runs as everyone else did their part. Scott McGough, Kyle Nelson combined for two scoreless innings. Tommy Henry, six scoreless as the starter. Kevin Yankel got out of the bullpen. And lone run for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Christian Walker, 18th home run of the season as could I single. Was terrific in this one. Gives up that one run in eight innings, 12 strikeouts, just one walk. David Robertson, he comes in. He's able to hold it down. He's able to get a squirrel setting. As I do this, the Thursday game between these two just gotten going. The New York Mets were able to put up a pair in the first setting. So we shall see if that continues as Pete Alonso was able to get his 26th home run in the campaign off of Ryan Nelson. So we shall check in there. We did see as well out west the LA Dodgers be able to take down the Pirates on Wednesday by a count of 6-4. Game is yet to get started as I record this for the Thursday slate as the Dodgers have been playing some late games this week. But Jack Swinitsky and Brian Reynolds both went deep off of Bobby Miller. Ninth home run season for Reynolds, 19th of the season for Swinitsky. And then Oswaldo Beto, he was rock solid through about three or so innings. And then he gives up a pair of runs over the course of four innings. And then Aronsi Contreras, who has not been good out of the bullpen, gives up a pair of home runs as he allows four runs while going one inning. Going deep for the LA Dodgers, J.D. Martinez, 20th home run season. David Peralta is sixth. And for Bobby Miller, gave up those four runs while combining to go five and two-thirds innings. From there, Ryan Brazier, Caleb Ferguson, Danny Hudson, all in the squirrel setting. Phil Beckford and out of the bullpen. And everyone not named Contreras did their part in the bullpen as well. Ryan Baruki. Yohan Ramirez, Dory Moretta, all lend a squirrel setting for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And when I was on air on Wednesday, it looked like we were going to get a Brewers win, but Devin Williams gave up a three spot. The Chicago Cubs, they were able to come back for a 4-3 win in stunning fashion. And then, of course, my write-up pick that was going down for Thursday. I still feel salty about this. The Brewers win by kind of 6-5. I had the Cubs on the money line. There was a rough ball four called to one Victor Carantini that was right in the zone that was missed by the umpire that leads to a four-run inning for the Milwaukee Brewers. I know that I sound bitter, and trust me, I know that this is the way the baseball goes. We're all going to benefit, and we are all going to be on the short end of the six sometimes. I was on the short end of the sick on Thursday, so hopefully this means a little bit of better luck moving forward both for both myself and Marcus Stroman. And Stroman gives up four runs in five innings, including home run to Christian Yelich, a wall scraper for him, 11th home run season, then Carantini. A little bit later on, he took advantage of that break. He went deep off of Michael Fulmer. His fifth home run season for Fulmer gives up a run and an inning. Mark Leiter Jr. was able to get a scoreless setting. And then you also saw a scoreless setting out of Daniel Palencia. For the Cubs, they do have themselves to blame for this one as well because they did go one of nine with men in scoring position though they did get a pair of home runs Cody Bellinger goes deep off of Freddie Peralta for his eighth home run season Jan Gomes gets his eighth as well as that came off of JC Mejia Mejia gives up two runs at an inning Freddie Peralta punches out 10 but gives up three runs in five and a third innings including that home run out of this Piguero Joe Piamps both landed squirrels inning and you get a pair of outs out of the bullpen from Bryce Wilson that was a very harebrained series to say the least and this was just Hairbrain in general. Game one between the White Sox and the Blue Jays. It was 0-0 going into the 11th inning and the over very nearly hit. 6-2 the final as 
The Blue Jays were able to put up a six spot in the 11th inning. They went 7 to 15 with men in scoring position. Jose Barrios, by the way, was tremendous. Seven scoreless innings. Then you have Trevor Richards, one scoreless, two scoreless innings. Jermano, a scoreless inning. Thomas Hatch, he gives up two runs, one of which was earned in a third of an inning before Yimi Garcia was able to get the final two outs of the game for the White Sox. Lance Lynn, seven scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts. Gregory Santos, Keenan Middleton, Rinaldo Lopez, all in a scoreless inning, and Aaron Bummer lived up to his name. Six runs, five of which earned, give it up in the 11th inning before Brian Shaw had to get the final two outs of that 11th inning. And I'm doing this as game two is going on. Currently, you've got the White Sox up by kind of three to two, and I'm sure that we are going to be seeing a lot of bullpen usage here. As you say, Kikuchi has already allowed a home run to one Eloy Jimenez, 12th home run season. J.G. Schultons, he has given up eight hits in three and two-thirds outings, including two home runs going deep for Toronto. You've got Wood Merrifield with his third home run season, Matt Chapman with his 12th. So things look like they're going to be busting loose out there, busting loose as well. You did see a nice performance from the Detroit Tigers as they were able to get a 9-0 win over the Oakland A's as where the Oakland A's absolutely nothing doing in this one off of Michael Lorenzen. Lorenzen shoved for five scoreless settings from there. Tyler Holton, two scoreless settings. Brandon White, Chase Shreve, they landed scoreless setting. And Jake Marizic went deep in this one. His second home run season, that comes off of one Rico Garcia. Gives up two runs over the course of one and two-thirds settings. Hogan Harris, he was not a hero in this one. No Hogan's heroes as he gives up seven runs of four and two-thirds settings. Must have he took a strikeout prop as he had six strikeouts, but... Richard Lovelady, whereabouts out of the bullpen, and Chase Peterson, position player, was able to end a scoreless inning for the A's and to make the Peterson family proud. The Cincinnati Reds, another win to maintain their lead in the NL Central, 5-4. They get it done in 10 innings against the Washington Nationals. And by the way, the Cincinnati Reds, second most runs scored over the last 32 days in Big League Baseball. So they have really been putting up some nice performances as this was a start in which Mackenzie Gore just couldn't go very far. One and a third inning scoreless, and it was taken out of the game very early. So it was a poo-poo platter of pitchers for the Washington Nationals. Mason Thompson, two and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. Jordan Weems goes one and two-thirds innings, along a run. Kyle Finnegan gives up a run in his inning of work. Hunter Harvey, he gives up two runs, one of which was earned in the 10th inning. As for the Cincinnati Reds, Nick Senzel was able to get his seventh home run season. He did have Corey Abbott get a pair of outs of the bullpen, and Jose Farrar was able to get four outs out of the bullpen scoreless as well. And Alex Call did go deep off of Daniel Duarte for his fourth home run season as he saw Brandon Williamson go three scoreless innings as well. Part of this was due to the fact that we did see a rain delay in this game as well. From there, Buck Farmer, he allows two runs in one and two-thirds innings. You had Ian Gabo go one and a third inning scoreless, and Lucas Sims, Tony Santillan both led a scoreless inning before Alexis Diaz gives up the unearned run in the 10th inning to be able to get the save. Few games are going on as I do this. This game is in the top of the ninth inning, but very safe to say that this one is done, and it has been for quite a while. The Orioles up 14 to nothing on the New York Yankees as Luis Sarverino continues to suck. He got eight outs. He gave up seven runs, all of which were earned, including home run. Going deep for Baltimore, you had Gunnar Anderson. And then he gets his 12th home run season off of Severino. 
13th off of Albert Abreu. Abreu gives up six runs in two-thirds of an inning. That's an ERA booster right there. Ron Medanakio is able to lend a scoreless inning. You did get two and two-thirds innings scoreless out of Davey Garcia before Wadi Peralta gives up a run in that inning. And now Isaiah Canaire-Falefa is just pitching this inning to be able to get through it. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Kyle Bradish, six scoreless innings. Nick Vespi thus far has lent two scoreless innings. And unless if we see a 14-plus spot from the New York Yankees in the ninth inning, yeah, this one is pretty much in the bank and earning interest. The Boston Red Sox are going to get it done against the Texas Rangers. Right now, we're not closing this out as I'm doing this. It's the top of the ninth inning, 10-5 to with the Red Sox in the lead as Nathan Evaldi did not have it on the day, giving up four runs in five and a third innings. From there, you did have Brock Burkett and not out of the bullpen, but Josh DeBoris gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. Better than Grant Anderson, though. Anderson gave up three runs, and he didn't get a single out. Jose LeClerc, John King from there, have been able to hold down the fort. Meanwhile, you did have for the Boston Red Sox a not very long start out of Cutter Crawford. Crawford comes in. He gives up three runs over the course of four innings. From there, Joe Jacquez gives up two runs in an inning. You were able to have Brandon Walter lend a scoreless inning. And from there, you've been able to get a relatively good performance as well out of Josh Winkowski. Winkowski has been able to come in and hold down the fort for two-plus innings scoreless. So you like to see that. And then we've got the Guardians and the Royals currently tied up 1-1. So we're going to need to... Do this in the AM and give you guys a little bit of an update as for Jordan Lyles, he's given up just one solo run over the course of five innings. Cleveland was able to get a home run off the bat of Andre Semenis. As we know for the Royals, they are 1-15 in Jordan Lyles starts as far this season with 13 losses by multiple runs. So very intriguing there, Tanner Bibby. He's given up one run over the course of five innings as well. So your least profitable pitcher in all of baseball. Currently being able to land a relatively good performance. We saw a good performance from Captain Jack Flaherty as well. 3-0. The St. Louis Cardinals able to get it done against the Miami Marlins. I'm kicking myself because my DK Network pick it was between the Cubs money line and the under in this game. I should have taken the under as Flaherty go for 6 and 2 thirds inning scoreless. By the way, that's why I always encourage you guys to do more than one bet a day because it is very difficult to pick just one in my opinion. I think that it's actually more difficult to pick one than to just take your five that you like if you just like to bet the entire board, that's something that I always encourage as well, as long as you're practicing bankroll management. But Chris Drayton and out, out of the bullpen as well. Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, they were both able to lend a scoreless setting as well. And Erdy Perez, he gets a loss, but he pitched well. He gave up a solo home run over the course of six settings. Going deep for St. Louis, Nolan Arenado, 17th home run season. Don Floro, George Soriano, both lend a inning giving up a run apiece. And Josh Lindgren was able to give you a scoreless setting. And then you saw in 11 innings, the Philadelphia Phillies get a 3-1 to win over the Tampa Bay Rays. As for the Phillies, Christopher Sanchez gives up one solo run over the course of six innings. Isak Paredes gets his 15th home run season. And the piecemeal system for the Rays worked until the 11th inning. Jake Diekman did allow a solo run in his inning of work going deep for the Philadelphia Phillies. Derek Hall, who we have not seen in quite a while, get his first home run season. Sean Armstrong was essentially the opener with three scoreless innings. Robert Stevenson, Jason Adam, Pete Fairbanks, Colin Boucher, Olanda Squirrel setting, Kevin Kelly, two scoreless settings before Ryan Thompson allows two runs, one of which was earned in that 11th inning as the Phillies. They were able to go 3 of 13 with men in scoring position to be able to get that one done. And the Rays, one of the top over teams in all baseball, they've went a little bit cold with the bats recently. But overall, if you're taking a look at the landscape of baseball right now, we have been finding quite a few overs recently. If you take a look at the last seven days, the overs are hitting at a rate of about 58.5%, with a few games still pending for Thursday. 
50 overs, 35 unders, and 5 pushes in that time span. Favorites over the last 7 days, 51 and 39, 56.7%, but favorites are covering the run line. All but 10 of those favorites have been able to cover the run line. If you take a look at the last 30 days of Major League Baseball, favorites hitting more around 57.5%, 221 and 163 with all but 47 favorites being able to cover the run line that went outright. Overs in the science fan hitting at about 51.5%, 190 overs, 178 unders, and a few pushes along the way. And overall for the season, favorites ranking at 58.1% on the money line, 753 and 542. Meanwhile, in terms of the run line, been a little bit more rough overall for the season as we have seen 189 total favorites win outright but not cover the run line. And overall for the season, overs and unders about as equal as it gets. 626 unders, 624 overs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Thursday. Coming up next, let's take a look at Friday's slate with Will Hill. He's going to get us set for the All-Star break. He's going to be taking a look at all these games and all these marquee series with me next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of Decent Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And it is great to be joined by this man as Will Hill he does an absolutely tremendous job here at VSIN. I know that he contributes so much to so many of our written works, so many of our guides, so many of the articles that you're able to find on VSIN.com. He does an amazing job taking a look at so many different fronts, including taking a look at the game of football, taking a look at baseball, you name it. He does it. You're able to follow him on Twitter at not the Will Hill, and V has two E's on the back half of it, and Will. It is always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Huge fan of this show and of you, so fun to be on. Fun to have you aboard. I know that Will also does a great job with the Go Boys Discord as well. That's something that you do want to be checking out. And something that we are also checking out, Will, is the fact that in a few days, we're going to be on All-Star Break Week, which means that things are going to be a little bit more, shall we say, bare in terms of betting options, especially if you're not someone that looks to bet summer leg and even though I love basketball, I can't say that I'm going to be putting all my shekels down when it comes to something like that. But how do you handle this sort of time? Because this is going to be our last weekend that we're going to have until we do have a little bit more of an all-star break time span. And I certainly do encourage people if they're going to bet the all-star game, probably not to be putting your full unit down on a game where players really don't get affected if they win slash lose. But how do you just handle this time of year in general? And just gets up for the second half of the season. Yeah, I mean, we're all human beings. So, I mean, at some point, like if you're doing this 365, it's a good time to recharge your batteries. It's really the dead time in sports. And, you know, football's not too far away. If you're doing baseball every day, you know, it's a grind. So it's a good time to just, you know, recharge your batteries. Maybe watch some shows, catch up on some movies, because not too far down the road, if you're doing this, you know, seriously, if you're doing this every day, football's going to be around the corner. So, you know, there is a human element. All right, you know what? Players are on the all-star break. Sometimes as betters, we need a little bit of an all-star break. So it's good to, you know, take some time. And I would disagree. I've had a lot of success. I, I think the unders, and of course, the line's not up yet. I think the under has been a very profitable trend. I'm sure I'll be on it again in the all-star game because you just think about the nature of the game. It's a lot of starting pitchers who are used to going five, six, seven innings. They come in for one inning, empty the tank, 
and just want to throw gas. And they're on the national spotlight, spotlight. So they don't want to get embarrassed. Nobody wants to be the guy to give up three or four runs. Everyone's looking at you. So these pitchers, I think they come in motivated. And there's some unfamiliarity. You know, National League versus American League, you're not seeing. If you're in the NL West, now I know with Interleague, you're seeing some of these guys once in a while. But if you're in the NL West, you're not seeing Shane McClanahan. I know he's hurt, but just an example. So I think there's some unfamiliarity. There's the aspect that the pitchers that are used to pitching five or six innings come in and you know, want to impress for an inning. So I think the under is a good play and it's a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. Good pitching beats good hitting and you're just going to line up some nasty arms. So the unders have done well. I think the, I'll probably be on the under again here on Tuesday. Yep. I would not doubt that if long as we don't get something completely harebrained and we did see the under come through at Coors Field a few years yep. ago as well. I remember, I forget who it was of the Angels, but they had someone completely out of position make a sliding catch. I think it was Walsh. That completely saved the under on that one, but that has been something to take a look at the last few years. Certainly, Chris, with Chris Bryan, I think hit it. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Chris Bryan. I remember one of my buddies, somebody had like an MVP ticket on Chris Bryan. I think you're right. It was like a bases loaded spot. It was, a, it was very dramatic. But yeah, it, it, you make a good point. Yeah, absolutely. So you want to make sure that it's something reasonable with regards to the total. But I do agree with you there. And certainly, when it comes to home run derby. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'm like the Mona Lisa Vito of picking the home run derby or anything like that, but it is a good time to be able to reach fresh recharge. And going into the all-star break, have there been a few teams that you've either been taking a nice liking to, they've been treating you very well, or is there a few teams that you take a look at? It's like, man, this team has been very hard to figure out and you might do a little bit of research these next few days and trying to be able to get set for the second half of the season. I think the obvious answer, it's not just a good story anymore. It's it's more than that. I think it's real now. The Cincinnati Reds are now 21-6 and six with Ellie De La Cruz. What took them so long to come up? I have no idea. They are now 10 games over 500. This is no longer like a cute story and, you know, they're winning a game here or there. They had a little bit of a lull and you think, all right, maybe they're coming back to the pack. And then they just put the foot on the gas and really played great baseball this last week or two. They've been unbelievable. And it sets up a big series in, against Milwaukee. Since he has a two-game lead on Milwaukee, but they played Milwaukee going into the break in Milwaukee. Then as soon as they come out of the break, so three games in Milwaukee, three games in Cincy, the next six games for the Reds are against the Brewers. So, hey, obviously winning all six is a, a lofty expectation, a lofty goal. But if you're able to go, I don't know, five and one, let's just say you can go five and one and, and continue this hot streak, which is unlikely but not impossible. Then you look up and you got like you got a six game lead in that division, and six is a nice cushion when you're talking about now we're in the second half of the year, we're post All Star break, so this is a huge couple of series. They also play again at the end of the month, but I am fascinated to keep an eye on the Reds, and I don't know if you want to get into some of these games, but we do have some great series this weekend, but Reds Brewers is definitely one I'm going to be keeping an eye on and the Reds just in general. I think they're legit. I think this is real. You, obviously, you got to get green back. You got to get some pitching at, at some point, but they're figuring out ways to win. It, it's really a, a fantastic story. And let's dive into that Reds versus Brewers game for Friday as Will Hill, who does amazing work here at VSIN, is joining me on the Baseball Betting Show because I take a look at this total of eight and it does feel too low. Andrew Abbott is going to be going for the Cincinnati Reds. Corbin Burns on the bump for the Brewers. And with Corbin Burns, Being someone that is a bit of a fan of the Milwaukee Brewers, I've picked this up. He actually pitches worse at home than he does on the road because with what I still call Miller Park, they call it now American Family Field. It's Miller Park to me, gosh darn it. But (laughs) I've noticed that it's quite a bit of a hitter's ballpark. It does yield quite a few home runs, and it feels like Corbin Birds does struggle a little bit more there. His ERA is about a half point higher each of the last three years at home than on the road. And then with Andrew Abbott. He has been tremendous with a 121 ERA, much like we saw with Yuri Perez, though. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here. He has been incredibly lucky on balls in play. I take a look at this total of eight, 
I think that's Shubo and with the Brewers right around minus 125 to minus 130. I think it all depends upon whether or not Burns is able to outpitch Abbott, and I tend to think that he should. You're following Milwaukee more than me. What's your take here on Burns? Because a lot of people say, hey, the advanced numbers are down, the spin rate's down, and that goes back to, I think, August, September of last year where he just he hasn't been spinning the ball the same way. He's had some good performances here and there. Sh- should I trust Burns? It does look like a cheap price for Burns, but I felt Burns has maybe been a little overvalued these last couple weeks. I don't have a play in the game. I'm curious just to, you know, your thoughts in general on Burns. Oh, I think that Burns is going to give up a few runs in this spot. But I also think that the regression monster is really coming for Andrew Abbott as well. So this is really a spot where what I like most is the over. I'm willing to trust Burns on a relatively cheap price. But what I really think happens is that I think both of these starters give up plenty of runs. Should be fun. I mean, it should be a fun weekend of baseball. Uh, Brewers and Cubs, those games were interesting. A lot of back and forth games. So, man, who would have thought Brewers, Reds, last series before the All-Star break, is having a big series, being a big series coming into the season. But it's going to be a big one. I'm excited for it. I don't have any plays on it, though. I don't. Because I just don't know which way to go with Burns. You know, the advanced stats don't really like him, but I do think this is a little undervalued. So, I got some Reds futures tickets. I'll be rooting on the Reds, but I don't have a play in this game. I think that this is going to be a great series. If what we saw in Brewers versus Cubs is what we're going to be getting in the NL Central the rest of the year, it is going to be fascinating, to say the least. This is another spot where I take a look at the over. And going into Thursday, by the way, overs over the last like eight days, we're hitting at north of 60%. So it's really getting hot out here across the country, and balls are flying in. I take a look at this total of 7.5 in the Marlins versus Phillies game, and this just feels too low for me. Zach Wheeler has struggled on the road the last two years, and Sandy Alcantara, you want to talk about a guy who's fallen off a cliff. He's given up four-plus runs in seven out of his last ten starts. Phillies have been hot with their bats. Miami Marlins have been hot with their bats. I just take a look at this ordeal, and I just am not willing to back Sandy Alcantara at this point until he proves that he's back to being the Sandy of old, and for Zach Wheeler, I do have to gauge them quite differently home to road. This is another big series. I mean, these are two teams. You're not going to catch Atlanta in the division. Obviously, they are gone. You can forget about that. You know, the last wild card spot could very well come down to Miami and Philly. I would still give Philly the edge, but these are huge games. I do like Philly in the spot. I think Alcantara has been overvalued. I felt that way for a while. He just continues to get the respect based on reputation, based on people, you know, thinking he's the pitcher of uh, the past couple of years, the Cy Young winner. He hasn't been that guy. He's gotten hit really hard. So this is a big game. I know uh, the concern with Wheeler pitching better at home than on the road. He is on the road here, but this is still not a great Marlins lineup. I think this is a lineup he can handle. So I'll lay the price here on, on Philly. I think this is a good series too. Yep. I totally agree with you as Will Hill, who does amazing work here at VEASAN has joined me right here on the baseball betting show. And, I've got to get your take on this one because I'm a little bit torn as to what to make out of this game. We've got the Toronto Blue Jays going up against the Detroit Tigers. Alex Fiedo is going to be going for the Tigers. <laughs> and Alec Manoa is back on the mound for Toronto. I remember there was that like one game where he was going out there. Was that like the complex or something like yeah. that that the Toronto Blue Jays have? And he gave up 10 runs. He then had one good minor league start. And I guess they decided, oh. He's back in shape. Everything is all well and good. He had one good minor league start against a bunch of schlubs. So here's Alec Manoa, minus 155 price. Now, I'm not sure if the guy that I want to be fading him with is Alex Fiedo, who has not been able to put it together at all for the Detroit Tigers. But we've got a total of nine in this spot. I think that this is a very, very fascinating circumstance. 
to say the least. It sure is. I'd like to fade him. I wish he was going up against somebody besides the Tigers because that's just not the team that's going to expose or him. Or someone but not even named Fiedo. I mean, right. good grief. Right. Maybe there's a better way to attack this in terms of the props. I'd have to look at how many innings he pitched. Now, maybe the books will they'll probably be careful putting out, you know, how many outs will this pitcher record, how many strikeouts. They'll probably be careful with the props, but maybe there's a better way to attack this. But this is interesting. I would love to fade him. I just don't know if I can fade him with Detroit. This might be a good live betting situation because you might know early, hey, he either has it or he doesn't have it. This is a guy that's been a good pitcher for a few years, and it's just whatever's happened where he's fallen off the map, I'm not sure. But maybe this is just better to wait and see and take a live betting situation. If I had to bet, I'd probably just bet Tigers team total over in the first five, guessing that, you know what, if you're giving up 10, 11 runs in the complex league, he's been awful this year. It's going to be hard for him to get back on track. So I'd probably just go for Tigers first five team total over, something like that. And even getting a run and a half on the run line, because I'm thinking that you're probably going to get that at like a minus 115, minus 120 on the Tigers. That might not be the world's worst look either because Fido stinks, but the bullpen of the Tigers has actually been their one strong suit as well. So that's something that I think could perhaps yield a little bit of value. But yeah, I'm with you. That's one of the trickiest spots on the board. Just maybe yes, well. run first inning. That could be a good one too. Yeah, that's not the world's worst look either. I always try to steer away a little bit from the first inning just because it is such a small sample size. But with Alec Manoa, yeah. It's not great to say the least. And with Alex Fajardo going up against right. those front three of the Toronto Blue Jays, that gives you some nice options as well. And then this is another big series, in my opinion. The Baltimore Orioles, they haven't been themselves on offense over the last few weeks. And luckily enough, I believe like a week and a half ago, they were facing off against this very team in the Minnesota Twins. And Bailey Ober is going for the Twins in the AL Central. Things are hot and heavy there. Once again, not necessarily because... These teams in the AL Central are playing great. It's because nobody wants the division at this point. And right now we're finally finding Bailey Ober as about a minus 140 to a minus 150 favorite with a total of eight and a half. Such an intriguing spot because Cole Orvid stinks as a pitcher. The Minnesota Twins have been the lowest scoring offense in baseball since the beginning of the month of June. Any sort of play on this one, because I think that this might be one of the trickiest games on the board. And these teams faced off each other last weekend. Irvin pitched against Sonny Gray on Sunday. It was that early start. I think it was the app, the Peacock or whatever they do with the, the early start. I think it's like 9 a.m. your time probably. And Irvin actually pitched a pretty good game. It was like one nothing after five innings. And Baltimore came back to win. Minnesota was leading most of the game. Baltimore came back to win. I would look towards Minnesota, maybe a team total over, just because you have a pitcher in Irvin who's not very good and you're seeing them for the second time in five or six days, that's usually a thing where it's an advantage to the hitter where we got to look at, at this guy, we got a few at-bats against him, now we get a few more at-bats at him, another look. So I would look to bet on the Twins in terms of probably a team total over. I think that's probably the best way to play it. Yeah, this is such an intriguing one because I still remember doing a write-up for that game. I was on the Twins' money line, and I lost that one because Yohan Duran threw a bean ball with the bases loaded. So that was not fun to say the least. I've you had know, a few you know, it's funny. I had the twins in my bet slip. I said, you know what? This is the early game. I don't want to sweat out bullpens. It was a Sunday noon game here in the East Coast. I switched it. I did first five and they were up one nothing after five. It got sweaty because Baltimore loaded the bases and they had man on second with nobody out. But I avoided that one just because, you know, I, I want to bet on grave or serve. And I think that's sometimes just a better way to attack it with the first five innings. So there's certainly times it goes the other way where, you know, they lose the first five or they tie the first five and then they win the game. But that was one that actually worked out. There are just so many intriguing circumstances like that as well. And it is very difficult when you do take some of those early games as well. I do tend to go towards a little bit more of unders when it goes to those early games because we're going to be seeing quite a few of those on Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but especially when you have 
a night game on a Friday or a Saturday. I always think the biggest people that really are deficitaries because you have beneficiaries and then I call them deficitaries. I always think that it's the hitters because they just played the night before everything like that. The starting pitcher is fresh. He's able to tune up for it. I tend to lean towards more unders when it comes to those situations. I can understand, especially if you get those games, they start like the four or five o'clock range where there's the, some shadows and the ball's going into the light, out of the light. Makes it even tougher for the hitter. So yeah, I don't. I think that's probably a decent angle. Yep, I agree with you. And Will, when it comes to the board that we do have for Friday, we fit on a few marquee games. Anything else that you're taking a look at, whether it be a bet that you're going to place or maybe you're not going to be placing a bet on it, but you just want to see what kind of form a team a pitcher is in and just kick back, relax, and perhaps line up some bets for the second half of the season. I like the under in Astros Mariners. Castillo going against Brown. Castillo was not great his last time out against the Rays. The Rays hit him, but uh, the Mariners actually came back to win. I just think that's a good pitching matchup, Castillo and Brown. So seven and a half is the full game total. If I can get like a four for the first five, I'll probably play under the four. I don't see first fives up five up yet under is probably going to be one i'm looking at again there are some great series rodon's making his debut for the yankees that'll be a big key for them against tyona a former yankee but man great series phillies marlins we mentioned a great series brewers reds is a fantastic series the braves versus the rays probably the two best teams in baseball facing off in tampa and then sort of a sneaky underrated series the mets and the padres both teams have quietly started to play a little better strung together a few wins you keep waiting for them with all that talent all that payroll to finally get back on track and creep back into the playoff race if somebody can sweep this series they're sort of back in the mix here where i think both teams as we're talking now are like six games out of a wild card if someone can get hot and just stay hot through this weekend and win three of these games it probably knocks the other one out and puts the winner like say the mets can go in there and win three games they're going to be in a situation where they're sort of back in the mix here and if you have a bad series you could be out so a few weeks left some of these teams on the fringe of the playoff race not in the mix sort of in the mix Padres and Mets are two that come to mind so a lot of great series great weekend of baseball and so glad that you point that out as well because coming out of the all-star break it's about two weeks until you get the trade deadline as well so with a lot of teams are still in it especially with those two central divisions being divisions where nobody seems to want it at this point if a team is able to rip off like a five and one a six and one run or vice versa a team goes into the toilet bowl they lose like five to six straight that could be their season right there so i am so glad that you point that out and will i know you do a great job just saying in day i'll take a look at the baseball card but i know you're getting set for football and so much more as well so let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms Yep, on Twitter at not the Will Hill. I'm on Vsin usually three or four times a week. Lombardi line twice. A numbers game usually Wednesday mornings, and then Gold Boys Discord. You can check us out, goldboys.com, and we do Twitch shows all week, one o'clock Eastern. Appreciate you having me on, man. Your your podcast is a must listen to. It's a nice little cheat sheet. Sometimes when I slack a little on my baseball handicapping, I just throw on the Greg Peterson baseball podcast. You know what? I put it on two x speed, and I'm done with my handicapping a little quicker. So I want to thank you for that, and uh, thanks for having me on, man. I always appreciate the kind words, Will. You do absolutely tremendous work, and it is always great to get Will aboard. He day in and day out does a great job grinding through these cards, and I know that he's doing a tremendous job with all of our football coverage as well, getting set for the upcoming season. A big thanks to Will for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we catch them all. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to get Will Hill aboard. He does amazing work here at the network. I know that he's doing a tremendous job getting set for the upcoming football season. Does a great job on the baseball front. Does a great job. Take a look at everything out there in the northeast part of the country. He's a part of that Gold Boys Discord. Does a little bit of everything and does so all so well. Always great to be able to get him aboard. Big thanks to Will for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we... Touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gunit underscore one We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, Let's dive in, and let's start out with my DK Network write-up pick. 901-902 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies on the road facing off against the Miami Marlins. Sandy Alcantara is on the bump for the Fish, and Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phillies. 7.5 is the total over and under, anywhere between minus 1.5 to a minus 115. Between minus 122 to a minus 125 is the Phillies. Between plus 105 to plus 115 is your number on Miami. With regards to the money line, set the Phillies at a minus 121, so at a minus 120, I'd be willing to dive in there, but right a pick, that is on the total over. Sandy Alcantara comes in in really, really bad form. He has given up at least four runs and seven out of his last 10 starts, and it feels like all the innings they logged last year are really starting to take a toll, because what I've noticed is that first time through the lineup, he's actually not been too bad. First two times through, he's given up a home run every about... North of 35 or so at bad, so he's not giving up a ton of our contact. Opponents, first two times through, hardly hitting above a 225. Third and fourth time he faces off an opponent, he gives up home run every about 20 or so at bats, and opponents are at 281 off of him. That is less than terrific. And for Sandy, it's not like he's been any better at home than he has been on the road. He's got a 5 road ERA, a 486 ERA. At home, he's given up a little bit less hard contact at home because Miami is a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, but he has seen his walk rate go up last year. It was two walks per nine innings. This year, it's up to 2.8. Strikeout numbers are down by a little bit north of a half a strikeout per nine innings. It's not like he's backed up by a great bullpen. This is Miami Marlins' bullpen that's right around 20th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. A.J. Puck, Steve Okert, these guys have been good, but Andrew Nardi is now on the injured list. J.T. Chargois has been a little bit or miss. I actually like what you've been able to get out of George Soriano, but all in all, it's been a very average bullpen. And now they do have to go up against the Philadelphia Phillies team that they are fifth in the league in terms of road batting average. You could use ancillary sources of power because Kyle Schwarber has been the main man, being able to slug out 22 home runs. Needs to work on that buck 85 average that he had going into yesterday, but you've got other guys doing a great job reaching base. Bryson Stott, 
Bryce Harper, along with Nick Cassianos. All these guys entered into yesterday in at least a 300. Again, you need more power to Bryce Harper. Three home runs to 200 at-bats is just not cutting it, but you've got guys that are doing a very solid job reaching base. It's been a rough year for Trey Turner, but he's been able to pick it up just a tad. Brandon Marsh has been solid as well. And for the Phillies, their bullpen has actually been quite good over the last 35 days. They've been a top eight team in the league in terms of bullpen rain this time span. Your two best guys as far as the season has really been Jose Alvarado and Andrew Vasquez with a sub two ERA. But Craig Kimbrell, last two months, he has really been able to pick it up. They're without Sir Anthony Dominguez, but we've seen other guys be able to step up. Gregory Soto still had a rough year, but it's getting better from. Jeff Poffman has been able to give you some long relief as well. And then for the Miami Marlins, this is a team that's gotten hot at just the right time. They're hitting a 278 overall for the season at home. This was going into Thursday. And over their last 16 home games, averaging right around 6.4 runs per contest. You don't have a lot of power outside of Ore Solera, who's been able to give you 22 home runs, but you've had Garrett Cooper, Brian De La Cruz, Jazz Shizla, Macy Sanchez all provide between 8 and 11 home runs. All these guys doing a relatively solid job of being able to reach base, being able to give you north of a 255 average. So that has been rock solid for this team. And I do think for Zach Wheeler, it is important to point out his home and road splits. Over the last two years, a 274 home ERA, a 390 road ERA. Now, Zach Wheeler has also been snakebitten a little bit. He's given up about 0.65 home runs per nine innings, two walks per nine innings, while getting 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. He has a four ERA, but he comes in bad form as well, having given up nine runs at his last two starts with the way that the Miami Marlins are hitting, the way that the Philadelphia Phillies move line on the road, and with Sandy Alcantara having played just one under in his last eight starts, I do think that you've got very good value on this over. My DK Nation write-up pick, that is going to be on the over. Set my total to where even at an eight, I'd be taking a look at the over. And with the Phillies, want to lay up to a minus 120 on the money line. 903-904 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are in a Cincinnati. They're under the road. They're facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Corbin Burns goes for the Brew Crew, and you've got Andrew Abbott on the bump for Cincinnati. Total on this game is 8, over and under, both at minus 110. The Brewers are between minus 125 to minus 130 favorites. Between plus 105 to plus 120 is your number on Cincinnati. I did set the Brewers out of minus 158, and this is knowing that Corbin Burns, honestly, has not been the same pitcher when he has been at home rather than on the road. Really, the last few seasons in general, even when he won his Cy Young Award, he had an ERA about a half a point higher when he was at home rather than on the road, and that's just because at what I still call Miller Park, it's American Family Field, but it's Miller Park to me, gosh darn it. He just gives up more home runs. Thus far this season, about 1.35 home runs per nine innings given up at home, more like one home run per nine innings on the road, which is why he's got a 376 road ERA compared to a 427 home ERA. Reason why I did make the Brewers such a demonstrative favorite is that I just don't have any faith here in Andrew Abbott being able to keep up the incredible numbers that he's had to begin his career. And for Andrew Abbott, he is going to be a really nice pitcher for a very long time to come. I remember he pitched in the College Baseball World Series a few years ago, but he's got a buck 21 ERA to a 3.48 fielding independent. The 10 strikeouts per nine innings is nice, and he is coming off of getting eight plus strikeouts in each out of his last three starts. He does give up the free pass a little bit, though, giving up north of three walks per nine innings has been quite fortunate on balls in play. Opponents are a buck 90 on balls in play right now. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous, and you'd have a Milwaukee Brewers team that, oh, uh, yeah, this is not an offense that you necessarily want to be backing too much. Entering into Wednesday, this team was last in the National League in terms of both home batting average and just overall batting average, but you've had Christian Yelich be able to heat up for this team as 
He has been able to slug out a double-figure amount of homers. He's the one guy that's really reaching base. A 380 on base out of him. You've got Brian Anderson, who's been able to give you about a 317 on base. They are without Roddy Tellez now, which answer off Joey Weimer, Willie Adamas. They both have a double-figure amount of homers, both of these guys. So hitting for less than a 210 and less than a 295 on base. So that's a little bit of an issue. But you do take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, and this is a bunch that it's a little bit of a hodgepodge when it comes to their overall pitching. They're a league average bullpen. They're not great. They're not terrible. You've got a lot of guys like Buck Farmer, Alex Young, Daniel Duarte, Alexis Diaz. These are a bunch of guys posting up right around about a 3-2 to a 3-6 ERA other than Alexis Diaz, who's been very solid as a closer. But I do take a look at this Reds bunch, and they need a little bit more power themselves. Now, they're going to be playing in a ballpark that it's not too bad for being able to hit out the deep ball. And for the Cincinnati Reds, other than the Atlanta Braves over the last three days, they've been the highest scoring offense in the National League. You've had Spencer Sear, Jonathan India, along with Jake Fraley. I'll be able to give you a double-figure amount of homers. All these guys are giving you at least a 343 on base. L.A. De La Cruz has been down a little bit since getting that cycle, but seems like he's starting to pick it up a little bit more once again. He's going to be a little bit up and down as a rookie, but you've also been able to have someone like Matt McClain be able to hit for nearly a 300 for this bunch as well. And then for the Milwaukee Brewers, just a good old game of can we get the ball to Devin Williams. Recognize he blew the save a few days ago, but all in all, this guy has been very solid. And then you've got Elvis Piguero, Joel Piams, who are able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But then from there, it is a little bit of a mystery as to what you're going to be getting. I do think that Corbin Burns is going to be able to bounce back in the spot. The Reds, they're one of the top teams in terms of on-base percentage, but they're in the bottom five in terms of home runs on a per-at-bat basis when they are on the road as well, which I do think is going to be helping out Burns. So I do think that he does give up some runs in this spot. I did set my total at an 8.7. I do think that the regression, though, going to be very real for our good friend and Mr. Abbott. So I did set the Brewers more around a minus 155 on the money line. Going to be one late here. Here with this eight, I'm also going to be taking a look at the over. Nine of five, nine of six on the betting board. It is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They are going to be playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Zach Gallen gets a start for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and it is good old to be determined on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a game that is presently off the board. I was projecting as if we were going to be getting Rich Hill on the bump for the Pirates, and as long as we do get Rich Hill versus Zach Allen, I'm going to make the total to wear a 7.5 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and 8 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under. And the Diamondbacks, a minus 243 favorite, willing to lay more like a minus 130 or so with regards to the run line. Zach Allen has been absolutely dominant at home thus far this season, which is why I did set a relatively low total, even though Rich Hill, he is doing for regression. If you take a look at the raw numbers of Rich Hill, it's not necessarily horrible. He's 7-8. and eight. He's got a 450 ERA. I mean, is he lighting the world on fire? No, but he's not the guy that you're looking at. It's like the biggest fade in the history of forever. He's been able to get in the neighborhood about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but the barrel rate is extremely high with him. And he's backed by a Pirates bullpen that has been struggling recently. First two, two and a half months of the season. This was a top 10 bullpen in terms of ERA. Pittsburgh Pirates over the last three days, second worst in terms of bullpen area. They do get Yohan Ramirez back at the fold. He and David Benar have been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA, but you take a look at the way that Dory Moretta has been pitching. That has not necessarily been too terrific. And then getting back to Zach Allen. He has been amazing at home. On the road, he's been a bit of a fade. Buck, 50 home ERA, 8-0 record in his nine home starts, giving up three home runs in 60 innings. His walks per nine rate at home is less than one and a half. 
is getting north of 10.5 strikeouts for nine innings. He has been absolutely dominant when he has been in Arizona. And for the Diamondbacks, I do expect a little bit of regression when it comes to this lineup as well. You currently have a few guys, in my opinion, being a little bit over their head. Guitel Marte, Lourdes, Gurriel. A combined 29 home runs. You've got Gurriel hitting about a 265, Marte hitting about a 285. The batting averages, I think, are just sustainable. I do think that the home runs are going to be coming downward a little bit. Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker, both at 18 home runs, both hitting north of 270. This has been terrific. And then Geraldo Perdomo has come out of nowhere and hit for about a 385 on base. That has been rather wild, and they go up against a Buccos team that here in the beginning of the month of July, you know what, they've actually been able to give you a little bit more offense. They've been able to move a line, but all in all, since the beginning of the month of May, this has been a bottom five offense in the big leagues with only one guy with north of 10 home runs entering into Thursday with Jack Swinitsky being able to pound out 19 homers. He's been able to give you a 365 on base, and all in all, this is a bunch that you've got guys that are able to get on base. Andrew McCutcheon has been able to give you about a 385 on base. He's been able to slug out 10 home runs. Brian Reynolds is back at the fold. He's hitting about a 275. Henry Davis, since getting called up to the big leagues, he's provided about a 350 on base. Not a lot of homers out of him as of yet, but you know what? He's been able to get on base, but you do lack sort of that thumping power in for the years in the Diamondbacks. Bullpen has been average to below average as far this season. We've seen the likes of Andrew Chafin along with Scott McGough blow some saves recently, but all in all, they've got some 3-5 ERAs. Kyle Nelson has been able to do a solid job as well. So this is a circumstance where as long as we are getting our good friend Rich Hill going up against Zach Gallen, I'd be willing to lay about a minus 130 on that Diamondbacks run line. I would need at least plus 244 to back the Pirates on the money line and 7.5 for less. Take a look at the over 8 or higher. Going to be diving in on the under 907-908 on the bang board. The New York Mets at the road face off against the San Diego Padres. Hugh Darvish goes for the pods and Justin Verlander is on the bump for the Mets. 7.5 is the total over his minus 120. The under is even with the Padres. Going to be getting them between minus 118 to a minus 125 between plus 105 and plus 110. Your price on the Mets. For the Mets, I need at least a plus 145 to take a shot here. Justin Verlander is just not the pitcher that he was a few seasons ago and has really been struggling on the road this year. If it were Justin Verlander at home, I might be a little bit more inclined to be able to back him. He's been coming in a little bit of better form as he has given up zero one runs in three out of his last four starts. Guess where all three of those starts were? At home. The one outlier start came on the road. So that I think is very important. He's down with the strikeout numbers, only about seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. He's given up about a home run per nine innings, which that's not necessarily the issue, but you just take a look at the way that he's been able to perform in New York thus far this season. He's got an ERA that is below a 220 at home. Meanwhile, it's a 567 on the road. Recognize that one of those starts was in Coors Field, but the Colorado Rockies aren't necessarily hitting the same at home this year as they have in past years as well, so that's been a big issue. Meanwhile, for you, Darvish, she has been on the struggle bus this year as well. 484 ERA. He's still getting nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. And he has been incredibly unlucky. He gives up about one home run per nine innings. The fielding independent is a full point lower than his actual ERA. And for you, Darvish, ever since he's gotten to San Diego, he has been significantly better at home rather than on the road. His ERA in the last three years has been about two points better at home than on the road. And this year, it's not like he's been great at home, but certainly has been significantly better at home than on the road. 364 home ERA. 6-16 ERA on the road. 
Are the Padres back with regards to their offense? We shall see because here in the month of July for the Padres, they've been able to get to at least five runs in three out of their first four games. So that's been an encouraging sign. And if you want to take a look overall, they have been able to thump out at least four runs in all but one out of their last six games. So this is big for a Padres bunch that they have been inconsistent at the plate all season long. You've got Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. These are not the issues. Soto has been able to give you north of a 420 on base. You've got Fernando Tatis Jr. hitting for about a 285 as well. So they've done their part. Sandra Bogarts, Manny Machado, they seem to be picking it up a little bit, both with between 10 and 12 home runs, both hitting in that area of about 260. And Austin Kim, over the last 30 days, has been able to give you north of a 350 on base as well. It's the bottom of the fold, and it's a big reason why they're stranding a lot of men on base. You've got Trent Grisham, the entire catcher spot, Rudnett Odor, all these guys hitting a 215 or lower. That's been a big issue. And for the Mets, they have been wildly inconsistent with their lineup all season long. Now, the good news is four-plus runs in three out of their first four games in the month of July, entering into Thursday night. But you've got Pete Alonso slugging out 25 home runs. Not really moving the line, though. He's hitting for about a 215. That's a little bit of an issue. And you've had Daniel Vogelback not really be able to give you anything at all. Francisco Alvarez and Francisco Lindor both give you a thumping power. A combined 32 home runs, both hitting a 221 entering into yesterday. Brandon Nimmo has been able to move the line 375 on base. And Tommy Pham has been one of the hottest hitters on the planet ever since his Twitter beef. Over the last three days, hitting about a 335 thumping power way up with him as He's been able to hit a few home runs recently as well, so that's been very encouraging to see. And for the Padres, I recognize that the bullpen recently hasn't been as good as it has been for the entirety of the season. But all in all, it has been a relatively solid bullpen over the last three days. Padres are 25th in the league in terms of bullpen area, but the Mets are 23rd in that time span. And if you look at the entirety of the season, the Mets have been dysfunctional with their bullpen, 21st in the league in terms of bullpen area. Padres still hovering right around 6th. And for the Padres, reinforcements are back. Domingo Tapia, along with Tom Cosgrove, who are out for much of this bad stretch. They are now back to the fold. A pair of guys are able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Been able to get some good results out of Nick Martinez as well. Josh Hader, we all know what he's capable of. And then for the New York Mets, it's all about finding someone to be able to get the ball to David Robertson. Robertson has had a blown save or two, but all in all, he's done his part. you got Brooks Raley, who's been able to give you a sub-3 ERA. And then they're mixing and matching with Dominic Leon, TJ McFarlane, Trevor Gott, Adam Adovino. It's just... Not been a tremendous situation. I do think that Hugh Darvish should be able to perform better in this spot. And I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to pick it up. San Diego provides a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. But here at a 7.5, I feel like this is just a little bit of a name-brand total here. I set my total at 7.7. So getting a 7.5, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over in this spot. I do think that Darvish is going to be able to perform better here at home. So we'll take the Padres on the money line to go along with this total over 909-910 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies are on the road going up against the San Francisco Giants. We know that it's going to be Ross Stripling for the Giants. Right now, it's looking like Austin Gomber going for the Colorado Rockies. It might be someone like a Connor Siebold, though. This is a game that is totally off the board. I'm currently assuming that we get Austin Gomber. And if we get Stripling versus Gomber, said the Giants at a minus 222 on the money line would be willing to lay up to a minus 115 on the run line. And nine or less will be taking a look at the over nine and a half prior to the under. Now, with the Colorado Rockies, the offense just has not been able to get going all season long. Bottom three in the big leagues in terms of home runs. 
on a per-game basis when they are on the road, but reinforcements are back. C.J. Crone has been able to come back from injury. Chris Bryant as well. These are a pair of guys that have been missing throughout much of the campaign, so I think that that's going to be able to give them a little bit of thumping power now. With the Colorado Rockies, just because they play at elevation, when they go from home to road, that always affects them. 278 home batting average compared to a 233 on the road. That has been very much less than savory. And I mean, for the Colorado Rockies, the home and road splits are actually a little bit less this year than they have been in past years. In past years, we've seen it be really bad. They're averaging about 4.07 runs per game at home, more like 3.7 on the road. Last year, they were averaging more like three runs per game on the road. So we've actually seen improvement. Ryan McMahon, 13 home runs. He's been able to hit for about a 340 on base. You've seen Randall Gritchick, Elias Diaz, both be able to hit north of a 275. So they've been able to get a little bit of something there. It's still a relatively rough offense going up against the San Francisco Giants team that has really been able to shape up with their bullpen. First 45 games of the season, this team was the worst in the National League with this regard. You take a look over the last 30 days, and this bunch has been number three in the National League in terms of bullpen array overall for the season. They're back above average as you've had both of the Rogers brothers, along with Ryan Walker, Camilio Duvall. These are guys giving you a sub-3-3 ERA. They've done a very good job of holding down the Ford and for the Giants. They do play lower-scoring games at home just because the thumping power is just harder to have it when you're playing at Oracle Ballpark. It's a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. They average between 1.4 to 1.5 home runs per game on the road. At home, this falls right around 1, and it's a team that really relies upon those righty-lefty splits. As you've got Lamonte Wade Jr., Thierry Estrada, J.D. Davis, Blake Sobel, Mike Ustremski, all with between 9 and 10 home runs. All these guys hitting at least at 250, and you've got Wade Jr. being able to give you about a 410 on base. Michael Conforto leads away with 12 home runs, but this guy has not gotten a home run in the neon. It has been quite a while for him as well, but all in all, you've got so many guys like a Jock Peterson, like a Patrick Bailey, that they all just contribute to the cause with the Colorado Rockies. The bullpen honestly wasn't bad the first few months of the season since Brent Suter has went down, though. They have really fallen off. Daniel Bard has still been solid. He's been able to give you sub-3 ERA. Brad Hand is starting to experience a fall. Pierce Johnson just should not be in games in general. He has not been good. Fernando Abad has been very uh, bad for this team as well. And then for Ross Ripley, I don't think he's going to be any more than a guy that fills three, maybe four innings for this bunch as you take a look at his last four overall appearances. Three and a third innings, three and a third innings, three innings, two innings. So I do think that this is going to be a spot where he's sort of what I always like to call an opener plus. He has really struggled this year. 651 ERA. I do think that he's going to be able to get through the Colorado Rockies lineup once. He's been a little bit unlucky on balls and play 10 home runs, give it up in 37 and a third innings. Got very lucky with the Blue Jays last season. I do think that things are here now. I do think that Stripling gives up a few runs here, but Austin Gomber, assuming that we do get him, 664 ERA, he has been quite a bit better recently and has been better on the road than he has been at home. 493 road ERA, 784 home ERA, but assuming that it is Gomber, I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 115 on that Giants run line. Would need at least plus 223 to take a look at the Rockies. Nine or less looking at the over nine and a half prior to the under end. If it's on Austin Gomber, probably not going to see too much movement with this game unless if it's like Carl with a K Kaufman, in which case the Rockies become an even bigger fade. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers play us to the uh, Toronto Blue Jays as Alec Manoa goes for the Jays and Alex Fiedo is on the bump for Detroit. Detroit is an underdog between plus 130 and plus 138. Meanwhile, between minus 148 and minus 155, your number on Toronto 9 to 9.5 is a total of the 9 over. Same between minus 122 and minus 125. Unders any between even and plus 105 on the 9.5. Unders minus 120, the over is even. 
I did set my total at a 9.3. The Tigers have actually been a top 12 offense in terms of runs per game since the beginning of the month of June. I have no idea where it's coming from, but they've been able to generate some runs recently, and you know who's pretty good at giving up some runs? Our good friend Alex Fiedo, along with Alec Manoa. So, yeah, this has been rough to say the least for Fiedo. He's making his first start since really late May. Posted up a 5.54 ERA. He's been able to get nine strikeouts for nine innings. And to the credit of Alex Fiedo, he has given up two walks and 26 innings thus far this season. He's giving up north of two home runs for nine innings. So just a guy that in general is not really cut out to be a big league pitcher in my opinion. And then for Alec Manoa, he had one good minor league start and the Toronto Blue Jays decided, oh, screw it, we're just going to put him back up at the big league level. At the complex game that he had like two weeks ago, he gave up 10 runs. It's really hard to have any faith whatsoever in Alec Manoa. Now, I will say this about Manoa. He's got a 420 road area compared to an 868 home area thus far this season. I have no idea where that comes from, but yeah, he's been terrible, giving up about six walks per nine innings. Yeah, you know who else has been terrible? The Detroit Tigers, all and all for the season, but they've been able to find a little bit more recently, and it's come with Riley Green currently being on the injured list. Matt Veerling, Gary Carpenter, a pair of guys hitting at 275. Don't have a lot of thumping power. Spencer Torkelson, Jake Rogers are really the lone two guys with north of eight home runs on the scene with a combined 23 between the two of them, and both of these guys, Javi Baez, Jake Marizic, Andy Abanez, are all hitting sort of in that fold of about a 220-225, except for Rogers, who's Hitting more around the Mendoza line of a 200, but yeah, it's not great there. And for the Tigers, I was talking about this with Will Hill. They've got one thing going for them. Bullpen has been relatively solid. The likes of Tyler Holton, Jose Cicerno, Jason Foley being able to give you a sub-3 ERA. Alex Lang has been a little bit up and down, but I trust in him a little bit as well. It's a Tigers team that is about like average with regards to their bullpen ERA. Meanwhile, with the Toronto Blue Jays entering into their double dip against the Chicago White Sox, this was a top 12 team in terms of bullpen ERA as well. Jay Jackson, when he's been given opportunities, has been solid. Tim Meza, Eric Swanson, sub-3 ERAs. I still like Jordan Romano as a closer. Bowden Francis is a guy that can give you a little bit of long relief as well. <laughs> they might need some long relief with the way that Alec Manoa pitched recently. 9.5 is a little bit too rich for my blood, but if you get a 9, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over in this spot. And with the Tigers, set them at a plus 146. I was willing to lay up to a minus 146 with the Blue Jays, but if you're looking at getting a run and F with the Detroit Tigers, I'm right now finding that at a minus 120. That's where I'm looking. I was willing to lay up to a minus 122, getting a run and F with the Detroit Tigers. So I'm going to be looking at that Detroit Tigers plus a run and a half run line just because I... I'm going to be quite honest with you. I don't know what to make out of this game, but here tonight, looking at the over to go along with that plus one and a half run line. 9-13, on the bending board. It is the Cleveland Guardians. They are playing us the Kansas City Royals. Daniel Lynch is going to be on the bump for the Royals, and Aaron Zavalli is on the bump for the Guardians. The Guardians are between minus 182 to minus $2 favorites. They're between plus 160 and plus 170. Your number on Kansas City, 8.5 is the total. The over is between minus 105 to minus 120. The under is any between even and minus 115. And with the Guardians, I set the minus 216 on the money line. I was willing to go up to about a minus 112 on the run line. Currently find that at a plus price of a plus 105. So sign me up there with Daniel Lynch. It's been a complete reversal from what we've typically seen out of him. With Daniel Lynch, last few times he's been up at the big league level, he has had no command whatsoever, but he's done a solid job of being able to get strikeouts. Thus far this season, Daniel Lynch, 
6.1 strikeouts per nine innings, but has lowered the walks to about 2.8 walks per nine innings. So there you go with Daniel Lynch, about a 414 ERA compared to a 484 fielding independent. He's given up three plus runs and three out of his last five starts, so he's been a little bit up and down with that regard. So I do make this a very interesting circumstance, especially with Aaron Savali being all over the place as well. And the reason why he's been all over the place is that he just simply has not been able to stay healthy with Savali. And he's been up at the big league level thus far this season. He has been solid, but the advanced numbers show that there should be a little bit of regression. When Savali was doing his minor league rehab appearances, his swing and miss stuff was way up. I haven't really seen that translate to the big league level quite yet. He's got a 408 fielding independent compared to a 296 ERA after he had the exact opposite. He had a fielding independent that was a point lower than his ERA last season. He is just an interesting pitcher in that he either gets super lucky or he gets super unlucky. He never gets the deserved results and never gets anything that's fair and balanced. But two runs of fear for Savali, given up in four out of his last five starts. And for the Cleveland Guardians, this is a top three team in terms of bullpen ERA. They're currently dealing with the injury to James Karinczak. That, to me, is honestly not a downgrade at all. He has not been good all season long. You just take a look at the arms that you've got in this bullpen. Xavier Curry, Eli Morgan, Aniel De Los Santos, Nick Samlin, Trevor Steven, all giving you a sub-311 ERA. Emmanuel Class A has honestly been one of the weak links of the team thus far this season. And then for the Kansas City Royals, bottom five team in terms of bullpen ERA. And they get even worse because they trade away Roldis Chapman, so now you've got schlubs like Nick Whitgren throwing their Jose Cuas, Taylor Clark, a whole bunch of guys that they just simply aren't cutting it, to say the least. So that's a big, giant disadvantage of them. And for the Cleveland Guardians, this team is said last in the league in terms of home runs. But you've got Jose Ramirez, you've got Josh Naylor, a pair of guys hitting for north of a 280. Both of these guys have been able to give you a double-figure amount of homers. And the Guardians are starting to hit for a little bit more average. What has really been hurting the Guardians this far this season is that You had so many guys like Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, Stephen Kwan, along with Ahmed Rosario. All these guys are hitting north of 270 last season, just not living up to that. Andre Semen is still hitting right around 245, but Rosario's back up to a 265. Kwan's back up to a 270, so these guys are starting to hit as well. And for the Kansas City Royals, you're just getting absolutely nothing whatsoever out of this lineup. You've got Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, the only two guys in the lineup with more than six home runs because Vinny Pascatino is out of the fold. Combined 28 home runs, both guys hitting about a 258. You have a few guys like Nick Prado, Ed Alvarez hitting about a 250. Michael Garcia has been solid, but when you've got so many guys like MJ Melendez, Darion Blanco, Nate Eaton, you just throw out there these guys that are hitting below a 225. It's absolutely killing this team, and I do think that Savali should be able to shut down the Kansas City Royals. And I do think that for Daniel Lynch, He's going to be able to get a little bit more swings and misses. This is a Guardians lineup that has had a tough time being able to hit at home. Bottom three in the big leagues in terms of runs per game at home. So, did something I tell at any point for looking at the owner and looking at the Guardians laying a run and half as I think they take it to the Kansas City Royals. 9-15-9-16 on the bank board. The Oakland A's, they throw the facing off against the Boston Red Sox. It is to be determined going for the Red Sox and Luis Medina is on the bump for Oakland. This game is off the board. I pretty much just have this as a bullpen game for the Red Sox. You might see like a little bit of Nick Pavetta. I know like Chris Martin has been someone that they've been throwing out there for a few innings as well. So you're going to get just your poo-poo platter of guys, probably like two innings of Brendan Bernardino as well. So I set the Red Sox minus 214 on the money line. I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 115 when it comes to this run line of the Boston Red Sox with a 10 or less being a take on the over 10 and a half higher to the under. This is 
Probably the most speculative game on the board just because we have no idea what we're going to be getting out of the Red Sox. They've been about a league average bullpen thus far this season. It has been great. It has been terrible. Chris Martin has been relatively solid for the team, posting up a sub-3 ERA. I would expect a little bit of Josh Winkowski as well as long as he's good to go in this game as he's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Might see a little bit of Brandon Walter as well. He's a up-and-coming prospect for this team. And you go up against an Oakland A's team that is dead last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. You do want to monitor as well. I know that the A's have thrown a opener for Luis Medina as well, so you might be getting some schlub like Sammy Long that might be giving you an open as well, but for Luis Medina in his overall appearances because they've thrown an opener from three times, he's allowed at least three runs in all but three of his appearances. As far as this season, his walks per nine rate is north of five. He's been able to get about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, but it's giving up darn near two home runs per nine innings as well. This is just absolutely not terrific, to say the least. You got Richard Lovelady back in full to be able to help out this bullpen. Sammy Long has not necessarily been too bad. And I will say for the Oakland A's, they hit significantly better when they're on the road rather than when they're at home. That did not happen on Thursday, but you do have Brent Rooker who's been able to give you 14 home runs, and many of those have come on the road. Shade Langolaires has been able to quite a few home runs as well on the road. He's got 10 in total this season, but we've got way too many bats at the bottom of the fold that are giving you nothing whatsoever. Langolaires, J.J. Blade, Elamendis Diaz, Jace Peterson, Seth Brown, all hitting a 208 or lower. That's not great. Ryan Noda on the road has been able to give you north of a 400 on base and a Terry Ruiz. 43 total stolen bases has been terrific. And for the Boston Red Sox, they've got bigger home and road splits with regards to their hitting. Then do the Colorado Rockies. As for the Boston Red Sox, they're averaging right around about 4.2 to 4.3 runs per game on the road. More like 5.5 runs per game at home. And on the road, they're hitting about a 232 286 when they're at home, like Justin Turner. He's hitting well above a 300 when he's at home on the road. That is sub 260. We've got someone like an Alex Verdugo hitting north of 75 points higher at home rather than on the road. Masataki Yoshida is for about a 320 at home. And it's not even like the Red Sox are cranking out a bunch of homers at home. 44 home runs and 44 home games entering into yesterday. They just do a good job of being able to move the line in general. So it's a very intriguing spot here. It, considering we are probably going to be getting Medina versus some sort of Red Sox bullpen game, we'll delay up to a minus 115 on that Red Sox run line. Plus 215 or higher, we'll be taking a look at the Oakland A's, a 10 or less looking at the over 10 and a half or higher to the under. Once again, subject to a little bit of change. 917, 918 on the bank board. It is the Seattle Mariners. They throw in their facing off against the Houston Astros as Hunter Brown goes for the Strohs and Luis Castillo is on the bump for Seattle. And Seattle finds themselves as a very slight underdog. You're going to be getting them anywhere between minus 105 to a plus 105. Between minus 111 to minus 116 is your number on Houston. 7.5 is the total. The over and the under are anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. I set Houston at a minus 114. So, seeing like minus 111, minus 112, don't want to be laying anything more in this spot with the Houston Astros, but I'm going to be willing to lay it in this spot with the Astros because Hunter Brown has been able to do a very supreme job at home. And for Luis Castillo, he has been very trustworthy when he's been in Seattle. He is not a guy that I've wanted to back on the road for Castillo. He's done a really good job of being able to shape up his overall command. As Castillo has always had walks issues throughout his career. That's down to about 2.5 walks per 9 innings as far as this season. While still maintaining a little bit over 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. But 244 home ERA. A 424 ERA on the road. 
In his six road starts, he's 0-4 thus far this season, giving up eight home runs in 34 innings. He just has been a completely different pitcher away from Seattle. So that does have me on a little bit of red alert. And the first time he faced off against the Houston Astros this season, he did see Castillo give up four runs over the course of seven innings. So Jordan Alvarez was in the fold in that game. So it provides a little bit of a difference. But for Hunter Brown, he has been on a little bit of a cold stretch recently, giving up three or more runs in three out of his last five starts. Much of that has been on the road, though. Overall, at home this far this season, 412 home ERA compared to a 348 ERA on the road. But he's given up just two home runs at 39 and a third innings when he's been at home. He's been a little bit unlucky with some of these seeing eye singles, what have you. But he's performed quite well. A little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. He's got a fielding independent that is lower than his overall ERA. He's not given up a ton of walks. Right around about 2.9 to 3 walks per nine innings. And the Easton Astros all of a sudden have been able to find it with their offense. They've been able to get very hot with having Kyle Tucker really be shouldering a lot of the load as he's been able to give you about a 366 on base, 13 home runs as far as the season. And Alex Bregman and Jeremy Pena both up to a double-digit amount of bombs. I know that Pena was missing for a little bit of time. Seems like that was able to do him a little bit of good. So you feel like these are guys that are starting to pick it up a little bit. Mauricio Dubon at the leadoff spot is sitting at 290 as well. The Astros always very good at not providing a lot of strikeouts as well, which is a good thing. They're not striking out at the plate. Meanwhile, you've got a Seattle Mariners crew that they just really don't move the line and hit for a lot of average. You've been able to have Teoscar Hernandez, Julio Rodriguez, be able to help out quite a bit as both of these guys have been able to give you 13 plus home runs or in that vector of between about a 245 to 255. But Cal Raleigh and Eugenio Suarez, they combined 20 home runs this season with both hitting below a 230. You just expect a little bit more there. Mike Ford has honestly been really good. He's now hitting for about a 275. So that's been very beneficial for Seattle. But you take a look at the Mariners, 25th in the league in terms of overall batting average. They've got an okay walk rate, but you do have guys like Taylor Trammell, Dylan Moore, along with the likes of A.J. Pollock that are hitting for less than a 225. And for the Mariners, this is a team that is right around about 10th to 11th in terms of open area. A little bit deceiving. If it wasn't for that eighth inning against the Tampa Bay Rays about a week or so ago, this would be more like a top six bullpen area. They did DFA Trevor God. He is now away from the team. But you've had Andres Munoz, Ty Adcock, Justin Topa, guys like this provide a sub-3-3 ERA. Paul Seawald has been a little bit up and down, but I've got faith in him as a closer. But with the Houston Astros, this is a top five team in terms of their bullpen area as well. Ryan Presley has been a little bit up and down this season, but it feels like he's come into the best form of himself. You've got Hector Neris, Phil Maton, Brian Debreu being able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well. As that, it does take a little bit of a nosedive with the likes of Seth Martinez and Ryan Sanek not duplicating what they've done a season ago. But I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think that Castillo figures that out a little bit more on the road. I just think that Hunter Brown pitches better. And I don't have any faith in this Mariners lineup. So a spot where at a minus 13 or less, we'll take the Astros on the money line. Semi total at a 7.2. So also taking a look at this 7.5 under. 919, 920 on the betting board. It is the Baltimore Orioles. In the road faceoff against the Minnesota Twins as Bailey Ober goes for the Twins and Cole Irvin is on the bump for Baltimore. And half is the total over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under city between even a minus 110, minus 142 to minus 155 is your number on Minnesota. Between plus 128 and plus 132 is your number on Baltimore. And with Baltimore, I set them at a plus 148. I was willing to go up to a minus 148 on this Twins money line. If you're looking at the run line, finding that right around about a plus 130, I would need more like a plus 140 to take a shot here. So I'm going to go with a little bit of a chalkier money line. 
with Bailey Arbor. He's done a very good job of being able to mitigate hard contact and just in general, not beat himself, which I typically like these sorts of guys. With Arbor, he's given up a little bit less than home run per nine innings. Even more impressive, about 1.7 to 1.8 walks per nine innings as well. He's actually been better on the road than he has been at home. 318 home ERA, 201 ERA on the road, but all in all has been pretty stellar. And the last time he faced off against Baltimore, he gave up no runs in seven innings. So that was a very nice performance. Meanwhile, for Cole Irvin, last time he faced off against the Minnesota Twins, it was alluded to by Will Hill. This was about a week or so ago in that Peacock game. Gave up one run over the course of five innings and for our good friend in Cole Irvin, he has given up one run in three out of his last four starts. He did get lit up a little bit by the Chicago Cubs, giving up three runs in that spot. But he's been able to turn things around a little bit recently. In the last 30 days, in his last five total pitching appearances, he's supposed to get up a 344 ERA. Prior to that, he was quite a bit of a fade. For Cole Irvin, he's always been a little bit more of a pitcher contact guy. He's getting about eight strikeouts per nine innings, but for his career, more like six, six and a half strikeouts. He needs to be able to keep the ball in the yard. That's a big reason why he did have big home and road splits last season while he was pitching for Oakland. Oakland has a very pitcher-friendly ballpark. He excelled there when he went on the road. That was a little bit rough. And you do have a Baltimore Orioles team that is coming in after just completely lambasting the New York Yankees yesterday. But that said, it has been an Orioles lineup that has been a little bit touch and go. They had scored four runs or fewer in pretty much all but 12 of their last 34 games prior to yesterday. And yesterday they took out some frustrations. But you do have sort of a whole is greater than some of its parts lineup. As you've got Gunnar Anderson, Adley Rushman, Adam Frazier. All giving you between 11 and 12 home runs. Frazier and Anderson do need to pick it up a little bit with their average. Henderson, after having a very hot late May, early June, he seems to be regressing a little bit. But you do have Adley Rushman, who's been able to give you about a 375 on base. Anthony Santander, he's been able to for about a 265, 14 home runs. They do a great job at both sides of the plate. Or a Mateo, he has been able to give you 22 stolen bases, but they need his back to be able to pick it up. Hitting about a buck 75 over the last two and a half months entering into yesterday. But Ryan O'Hearn hitting nearly a 300. That has been beneficial as well. And then for the Minnesota Twins, this team over the last 35 days has the fewest runs in the big leagues. That is a little bit of an issue. They were able to take out some frustrations on the Kansas City Royals. That does help them out. And they do have some thumping power. You've right now got five separate guys that are able to give you at least 10 home runs. Michael A. Taylor, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Max Kepler, Joey Gell. Problem with this is that the only guy hitting above a 220 is Carlos Correa at a 226. So the average has not necessarily been there. Alex Kurloff is able to give you about a 375 on base, but now without Royce Lewis, who is hitting about a 300, Edward Julian has been able to do a relatively solid job. But all in all, the Twins, they do need to find a way to be able to get on base. And both of these bullpens are a little bit top-heavy. You've got a pair of bullpens that are in the top 10 in terms of ERA. The Orioles, ninth entering into what we saw on Thursday. The Minnesota Twins, number five, but with the Twins. Yuan Duran has been absolutely spectacular, and so has Brock Stewart, both being able to provide a sub-2 ERA, but Stewart is on the fold. Then you've got the likes of Emilio Pagan, Giovanni Moore, and Oliver Ortega, guys that have been a little bit all over the place. So Jordan Balzovic has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, Felix Batista, Yanira Cano, both giving you a sub-50 ERA. Danny Columbia, a 3 ERA himself. And then everyone else that's pretty much north of a 4 ERA, the likes of Brian Baker, Keegan Aiken, and company, just have not been able to cover, cut it. So a very interesting circumstance. I do think that there's a little bit of regression here for Cole Irvin, but I do think that playing out in Minnesota, a bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark, that is going to be to his advantage. I did set my total at 8.1, so I'm going to be looking at the under. 
And when it comes to the Minnesota Twins, don't want the run line, but want to lay up to a minus 148 on this money line. 921-922 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are on the road facing off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Glass now is on the bump for the Rays, and Charlie Morton is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta is anywhere between minus 101 to plus 105. Between minus 112 to minus 125 is your number on Tampa Bay. 8.5 is the total. Overs between minus 110 to a minus 115. The under is any between minus 105 to minus 110. And I did set the race at a minus 134 with Tyler Glass. Now, the swing and miss stuff is definitely back from. The command is right now a little bit of a work in progress, and it's a big reason why he's been getting hit rather hard. But for Tyler Glass now, he's getting 14 strikeouts per nine innings. The 3.8 walks per nine innings, not too terrific. But fielding independent of a 368 compared to his 450 ERA for Tyler Glass now. Not necessarily been the world's great stretch for him, giving up three plus runs in three out of his last four starts, but he is backed up by a lineup that is certainly going to be able to provide him with a little bit of run support. Going up against someone in Charlie Morton that he still has been able to do a nice job of being able to get swings and misses, but he too has had a little bit of a tough time with regards to command, as you've got Charlie Morton giving you 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but he has supplied four walks per nine innings as well, and he's really been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard as well, and that's going to be a little bit of an issue for Tyler Glassstone, not necessarily himself, but because he's going up against an Atlanta Braves team that has seven different guys giving you at least 14 home runs this season. Matt Olson, he's got 29 home runs. He's doing it against righties. He's doing it against lefties. The batting average isn't supreme or anything like that, but you know what? When you're able to slug out that many home runs with a 360 on base, that's rock solid. Ron Cooney Jr. He's looking to become the next member of the 40-40 club. 21 home runs, 41 stolen bases, north of a 400 on base. Austin Riley has been picking it up recently. He and Marcel Ozuna combined 33 home runs. Eddie Rosario hitting well above 300 over the last three days. He's gotten hot. Michael Harris II, who started out the year very, very cold. All of a sudden, he's become one of the hottest hitters on the planet. Last three days, hitting a 373 with seven home runs and 100 at-bats. So, yeah, that's going to be tough to shut down. But you still have a race team that's in the top five in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, home runs per game, and also in terms of batting average. You've got Randy Orozarena along with Jose Sirio, but if they able to provide 16 home runs entering into Thursday night with Orozarena right around about a 390 on base. Andy Diaz has cranked out 12 deep balls with about a 395 on base. You had Harold Ramirez hitting for about a 290 with nine home runs. Isak Paredes, 370 on base, 14 home runs. You just go down the list, and you've got a lot of guys that they do have that thumping power. As a matter of fact, 11 different race with at least seven home runs. And both of these teams have ranked in the top five of the big leagues in terms of bullpen area over the last three days. Both teams have been a little bit shaky with their bullpen throughout the entirety of the season, but the likes of Colin Poucher, Jason Adam, along with Pete Fairbanks, giving a sub-three ERA has been big, and Jake Diekman, who was absolutely terrible to begin the season with the Chicago White Sox. He's become the latest reclamation project of the Tampa Bay Rays. A 208 ERA since he has gotten over there. And then for the Atlanta Braves, Rossio Iglesias was a little bit banged up to begin the season, but now he is starting to pick it up. You've been able to get some good innings out of Kirby Yates, who's been able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. Ben Heller has been able to do a really good job, along with Nick Anderson as well. So such an intriguing circumstance here. Two great offenses. A pair of starters are able to get swings and misses. I'm willing to trust in the Rays in the spots. Set them at a minus 134. So riding with the Rays on the money line. Did somebody tell it an 8.2? I do think that both of these guys give up a few runs, but I think that just in this ballpark, it is going to be able to hold some of these home runs that might be bombs elsewhere. So, going to be taking a look at the 8.5 under and the Rays' money line. 9.23-9.24 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs hit the road face-off against the New York Yankees. Carlos Rodon makes his MLB debut for the New York Yankees. Well, his Yankees debut. Meanwhile, Jameson Tyon is on the bump. 
for the uh, Cubs. And the Cubs are between plus 140 and plus 150 underdogs. Between minus 165 to minus 178 is your number on the Yankees with a total of 8.5. Overs between minus 110 to a minus 120. Unders any between even a minus 110. And you're finding that Yankees run line at about plus 120 to a plus 125. I was willing to lay up to a minus 106 because Jamison Tyon has been terrible. I am going to be looking at the New York Yankees on the run line. I recognize that ever since Aaron Judge has gotten out of the fold, it's been a Yankees lineup that has been in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of runs per game. They have not really been able to get on base. Who's a good elixir to that? Oh, how about Jamison Tyon, who has allowed at least three runs and now 10 out of his last 11 starts. This has been a miserable year from. Oh, and the Yankees have familiarity with them because James Tyon pitched for the Yankees the last two seasons. So, I mean, this is just doomsday upon doomsday. Now, is Jamison Tyon as bad as the 693 area that he's posted? Most likely not. The fielding independent is a 517. He's been a little bit unlucky on balls in play. The walks are up with about 2.8 walks per nine innings. He's not getting a ton of swings and misses. 8.3 strikeouts per nine innings. But he's been a little bit unlucky, but... For the New York Yankees, especially with what happened yesterday, they had the tar beaten out of them by the Baltimore Orioles. I do think that they are going to be angry in this spot. You've got a New York Yankees team that does have Gleyber Torres, who's been able to supply 12 home runs. He's been able to do a nice job, be able to move the line for the team in general. The biggest thing for the New York Yankees, having a little bit more balance because DJ LeMayu has not been himself thus far this season. He is sitting below a 230. Kyle Gashioka is sitting about a 230. And then you've got... John Carlos Stanton, Oswaldo Cabrera, along with Josh Donaldson, all hitting at 205 or lower, and you're just not getting a lot of pop out of a lot of these guys. Josh Donaldson is able to provide a home run every about 10 or so at bats, but doesn't do a lot of good when you're not hitting anything else. Out of his 13 hits thus far this season, nine have been home runs. So that has been fascinating to take a look at. Isaiah Canerfalefa, Harrison Bader, Billy McKinney, these are guys hitting between about a 262-265. Same with Anthony Rizzo, but for Rizzo, ever since that collision that we saw with Fernando Tatis Jr. at first base, he just has not been himself as well. Now, what the New York Yankees do have going for them, they've got the number one bullpen ERA in the big leagues as well, as you've got the likes of Ian Hamilton, Tommy Canley, Ron Mananakio, Albert Abreu, Wandy Peralta, all giving you a sub-3-3 ERA, and the Cubs simply don't have that. Now, interestingly, the Cubs' bullpen and has been significantly better over the last 30 days. Now, this was entering into the day on Thursday, but the Cubs had the number two bullpen here in the National League over the last 30 days. Michael Fulmer, it's starting to regress a little bit on him, but he and Julia Merriweather, after terrible starts of the season, they've been a little bit better. Ed Bear Alsley has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA along with Anthony Kay as well. And for the Cubs, they've been able to crank out a little bit of offense as well. As you've got so many guys that don't really hit for power, but they do a good job of being able to get on base. Chris Morrell, along with... Patrick Wisdom have both been able to provide between 14 and 15 home runs. Welcome back, Patrick Wisdom, by the way. And for Morrell, he's getting a home run every about 11 or so at bats. But with Morrell, Nico Horner, Lon Nick Madrigal, they're in between about a 275 to 285. Cody Bellinger is backing in full force. He got a home run yesterday. He's updating nearly a 300. Then you've got a lot of guys sitting between about a 245 to, I would say, about a 260. Dansby Swanson, Trey Bubo Mancini, Ian App, C.A. Suzuki, on that fold as well, but I do think that for the Cubs, they are going to be having a rough time with James Tyon on the mound, and I do think that Carlos Rodon, who's going to be making his first start of the year, probably not going to be long for this game, and I do think that the Yankees are going to have a short leash on him, especially with the way that the bullpen has performed. If you take a look at the minor league appearances that Carlos Rodon did make to be able to prime up for the spot, he was able to get out there three times, look solid, 10 and two-thirds innings. 
He was getting about 14.3 strikeouts per nine innings. It certainly is not one of those cases where I read too much into it. I just think that this is a case where the Yankees outslug the Chicago Cubs. I did set my total at a 9.1. I'm looking at the over and taking the Yankees on the run line. 9.25, 9.26 on the betting board. The Texas Rangers are on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Trevor Williams goes for the Nats. It is good old undecided who's going to be going for the Rangers, which is why this game is presently off the board. Right now, I'm seeing on ESPN Cody Bradford, and if you do get Bradford, I set the Rangers at a minus 158 on the money line, so we need essentially a plus 159 or more to take a shot on the Nationals, and this would be a total where a 10 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over 10.5 Ryer. I'd be taking a look at the under. Bradford has made a few starts thus far this season. He doesn't necessarily look to be too set up for big league success now. He's been able to get a lot of strikeouts. His strikeouts per nine rate is hovering right around 10. That's not been too bad. And as he's gotten more and more in tune with being a big league pitcher, it's gotten a little bit better for him. But Cody Bradford, it just reads to me like he should be a little bit more of a long reliever slash like an opener plus because in his starts, he has a 579 ERA in his four starts. He has not given up anything when he's come out of the bullpen as a reliever. So I do think that that's an interesting little bit of a look there. He does get swings and misses, but he gives up quite a bit of hard contact. When he's been a starter, he's been giving up north of three walks per nine innings. So I think that might be a little bit of a confidence thing with him. Meanwhile, for Trevor Williams, He's been giving up the deep ball quite a bit this season. He does a good job not beating himself with the walks. About 2.8 walks per nine innings. But he's got a 558 fielding independent compared to a 434 ERA. That is not good when you're going up against a Texas Rangers team that on any given night, they throw out their eight other nine guys hitting for at least a 270. They currently lead the league in terms of runs per game. They just absolutely pulverize everyone that they go up against. Adolis Garcia is one of the few guys on the roster hitting below a 270, and he's been able to slog out 22 home runs. And then you've got Josh Young, who's been able to give you 17 home runs as far as this season past that. I mean, there's a little bit of a fall-off, but you've got Jonah Heim, Ezekiel Duran, Leody Tavares, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, all between 10 and 12 home runs. And oh, by the way, Seager is hitting at least a 355 right now. Everyone else that I named off, they all entered into yesterday, hitting at least a 275, all providing at least a 331 on base. This is just an incredibly fearsome lineup that the Rangers are throwing out there. Now, the kryptonite of the Rangers, bottom eight team in terms of bullpen ERA, but they do pick up a roll to Shem, and that should be able to help them out a little bit. You've been able to get a little bit of production as well out of the guys like Brock Burke, Will Smith, being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA, Jose LeClerc, more around a 3.42 ERA, so it's getting a little bit more formidable, and you go up against Washington Nationals team that is currently dead last in the National League in terms of bullpen ERA, and for the Nationals, you're draw- throwing out their guys like Joe De La Sorsa, Corey Abbott, guys like this that they just, quite frankly, are not cutting it, to say the least, over the last three days, the Washington Nationals, 27th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA, and for the Nationals, they do a good job of being a reach base. They're a top eight team in terms of overall batting average, and Lane Thomas has been having himself a really nice season, hitting a 305. He's been able to pound out 14 home runs, so he's done his part. And then you do have plenty of other guys like Joey Manessas, Ilyarmo Vargas, Riley Adams, hitting between about a 282 290. Victor Robles, very nearly hitting a 300, but the thumping power is just out there. Jameer Candelario has also been able to give you 12 home runs. Kibar Ruiz with nine. Nobody else is really north of seven, and that has really been ailing the Washington Nationals. 
I do think that for the Rangers, their bullpen is going to be a little bit better. And I do think that Cody Bradford struggles a little bit, but I do think that the Rangers certainly going to be able to get to Trevor Williams and company. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 108 on the Rangers run line. I set them at a minus 158, so one to lay up to a minus 157 on their money line. Need at least plus 159 to take a shot on the Nats. 10 or less looking at the over 10 and a half prior to the under. 927, 928 on the bank board. It is the St. Louis Cardinals. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Chicago White Sox. Still in seats. Goes for the Sox. Jordan Montgomery is on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis has a minus 115 favorite between minus 105 to plus 105. Your price on the White Sox in FSC total. The over is between minus 110 to a minus 115. Understanding between minus 105 to a minus 110. Why do we keep giving respect to the St. Louis Cardinals? I recognize that Jordan Montgomery has actually pitched very well, and Jordan Montgomery does not deserve the slander that the rest of the St. Louis Cardinals have been getting, but my, my goodness, I, the team has actually been able to win, I believe, each of Jordan Montgomery's last four starts Prior to this run, though, they had went on a ghastly 1-12 run in his last 13 starts. And once again, wasn't because Montgomery pitched bad. 328 ERA, 348 fielding independent, and half strikeouts to 2.5 walks per 9 innings. He's been able to do a relatively solid job on the road as well. He's actually got a lower road ERA than he does a home ERA. But, I mean, man, this Cardinals team, it just feels like they're asleep at the wheel right now. They're averaging about 4.1 runs per game. On the road, you've got Nolan Arenado, you've got Paul Goldschmidt. Both of these guys are giving you north of 30 home runs. Both of these guys have been able to hit north of a 275, but Nolan Gorman has been hitting below a 200 ever since the beginning of the month of June. His power numbers are completely down. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Brendan Donovan. He's been able to move the line, hitting about a 285, but Wilson Contreras, even with them being able to find a little bit of life here in recent days, he's hitting about a 235 for the season. Alec Burleson, Paul DeYoung, they've been very hot and cold all season long. Jordan Walker should have never been sent down to the minor leagues as well. And the St. Louis Cardinals with Ryan Helsley currently being out of the fold, they really don't have a bullpen arm that has a sub-3-5 ERA right now. You got so many guys like Andre Pallanti, Chris Stratton, Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos. They all have ERAs that are pretty much four. So this is a St. Louis Cardinals team that is right now towards the bottom of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. They entered into yesterday right in that neighborhood about 25th. So that has been horrible for them. Meanwhile, you've got a White Sox team that they themselves are 26th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, dealing with Liam Hendricks and Garrett Crochet being back on the injured list. But all in all, White Sox bullpen, it's been a little bit better recently. You've got Keenan Middleton, Gregory Santos being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA. You've been able to get a little bit more of something out of Kendall Graven after he had a rough start to the season as well. Now, what is really hurting the Chicago White Sox is they go up against a guy in Jordan Montgomery that has been relatively rock solid at being able to keep the ball in the yard. And the White Sox, they just have absolutely no discipline whatsoever. Fewest walks on a per-at-bay basis in the big leagues, and they're having to go through a double dip in which there was an extra inning game in that double dip as well, so that is certainly not necessarily the most advantageous spot for them, but you do have the likes of Andrew Benatendi, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert that all entered into yesterday between about a 272-280. Now, other than Benatendi and Robert, nobody else on this roster with at least 50 at-bats has at least a 320 on base, but Andrew Vaughn has been able to for about a 250. He's been able to give you 12 home runs. Jake Berger, 18 bombs. And you do have Luis Robert hitting for about 25 home runs as well. And for Dylan Cease, he's been able to find that form that he was lacking towards the beginning part of the season. Beginning part of the season, first month and a half, Dylan Cease was just absolutely awful. But the swing and miss stuff, it is back from. He has been able to get right around 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings. Big trepidation that you do have with Cease is I mentioned that the bullpen has not necessarily been that great. He has been giving up right around 3.9 walks per nine innings. But all in all, this has been a very nice revelation for him after he had a 558 ERA through his eight first eight starts of the season. 
in his last 10 starts, he has now given up three runs or fewer in all but one of them, being able to do a relatively solid job at home, doing a nice job on the road as well. All in all, in this time span, about a 3.04 ERA, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. So I do think that Dylan Cease is back, and I think that the St. Louis Cardinals are back to being completely brain dead. So this was a scenario where I did set the Chicago White Sox, despite the double dip yesterday, as more around a minus 140 favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay with them. I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a pitcher's game because I think that Jordan Montgomery wants a good start as well. So I told at 7.9. So looking at the under end, that White Sox money line in. Wrap things up with 929-930 on the betting board. It is the battle for Los Angeles. The Dodgers, they play us to the LA Angels. Griffin Canning goes for the Angels, and Tony Gonsolin is on the bump for the Dodgers. Dodgers are between minus 170 to minus 175 favorites, between plus 145 to plus 150. Your number on the Angels. Total on this game is 9, with the over anywhere between even money and minus 110. Minus 110 to minus 120 is your price on the under. I did set the Dodgers out of minus 182, and I have been all aboard Operation Fade Tony Gonsolin. He got so lucky last year, and you take a look this year, he's still doing for more regression. 369 ERA for Tony Gonsolin, 449 fielding independent. He's been getting seven strikeouts at 3.7 walks per nine innings. Now, he has given up at least four runs in four out of his last five starts, but I just frankly think that this is exactly what Tony Gonsolin is. I think that Tony Gonsolin's 2022 season is going to go down as one of the luckiest seasons in the history of baseball. He's not a strikeout guy. He's not doing a great job in terms of command, and he just got really lucky on balls in play. That said, you've got an LA Angels team that's currently dealing with Mike Trout being on the injury list. Brandon Drury's currently dealing with an injury. You're currently dealing with Shoyo Otani dealing with a blister. And you just go down the list. Anthony Rendon is injured once again. That's one of those what's new sort of scenarios. But man, it's rough. And for Griffin Canning, he's been able to put it together a little bit more recently as well. as He's been able to get nine straight cuts to 2.6 walks for nine innings. He's pitched, in my opinion, better than the 429 ERA. I recognize that the 454 field independent would beg the difference. But just in watching him, I feel like Griffin Canning has actually been able to put a little bit of something together. But what are you going to be able to get out of this Angels lineup? Mickey Moniak at the leadoff spot has been able to give you a home run every about 13 to 14 at-bats. He's been able to hit for a 300, so that's very beneficial. But, man, you're dealing with Hunter Renfro being in the fold and being one of your main power bats at this point who's been able to do a solid job. He's been able to give you 15 home runs. He's hitting about a 250, but this team is now very much breath of talent. Taylor Ward has been able to about a 245, the overall catcher spot. They're still missing Logan Ohapi as well. I will say for the LA Angels, they're going to have a leg up when it comes to the bullpen. This is the Dodgers bullpen that has been not good to say the least this year. 24th in the league in terms of bullpen area. Guys like Yancey Almonte, guy that's currently not with the team, Alex Vesia. They have fallen completely down the toilet bowl. They do have back in full Danny Hudson, who should be able to help them out a little bit. Broussard Gradrall has been able to give you a sub-3 ERA, but pretty much everyone else in this bullpen that they've got available has been completely untrustworthy. Meanwhile, the Angels are currently 13th in the league in terms of bullpen area, having the likes of Jose Soriano, Jacob Webb, Carlos Estevez, Sam Bachman, all these guys being able to give you a sub-3-3 ERA, so... That's been solid and for the LA Dodgers. The team is in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of batting average, but they and the San Diego Padres are 1-2 in the big leagues in terms of walks generated on a per-at-bat basis. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez entering into Thursday night. A combined 43 home runs this season. Max Muncy is exactly what I'm talking about with the on-base percentage. Buck 94 batting average, 326 on base. 
19 home runs. Will Smith, he's been able to give you 390 on base. Freddie Freeman, 14 bombs, hitting above a 300 as well. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to slug their way to victory in this spot. I do think that the Angels are going to be able to scratch a few runs across against a guy in Tony Gonsolin, who the luck is starting to go against him once again. And this Dodgers bullpen has been far from impressive as well, but what has also been impressive, the lineup of the Dodgers. I think that the Dodgers just win this game by multiple runs by being able to slug their way to it. You're finding the Dodgers run line at plus 115. Need at least even money here, so taking a look at that Dodgers run line set by total 9.3, so also looking at the 9 over, and that wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, and a big thanks to Will Hill. Does amazing work here at Visa. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we have far those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way, that's fine, an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like here on this podcast via that five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.